last night at about 11 p.m., I text Steve and I said, what do you think is the most important number that a real estate investor can consider? And I had the thought, I was like, if he answers what I think he's gonna answer, which is my answer for what the most important number in real estate is, I was like, this is our podcast topic. He comes back and says the exact thing that was exactly what my response. Then we thought, Let's not just talk to what we think the most important number is, but let's talk about numbers. What would your life look like if you could replace all of your working income with simple and conservative investments that could do it for you? Over the last 13 years, we've helped thousands of clients transact over half a billion dollars in simple and conservative real estate transactions, allowing them to begin replacing their work income with real estate investment income. Each week, we'll be pulling back the curtain on the ins and outs of real-time, retirement-based real estate transactions that will transform your financial future, even if you have no real estate experience. This is Replace Your Income with me, Kevin Clayson. And Steve Earle. All right. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Replace Your Income. This is episode 10, Steve. Can you believe it? Episode 10, amazing. Episode 10. We've done that's a good, I know it's awesome. Hey, again, thank you so much, everybody, for all of your emails and your your text messages and and your reviews and oh my goodness, you guys are awesome. And and I gotta say, Steve, that one of the things that makes me so happy is when somebody says that oh, this has been great, and they've shared it with a friend, they've shared it with a family member. So thank you, everybody, for sharing this podcast. That means a ton to us. Yeah, it does. All I can say is thank you. It, it's a lot of, it, and. I have to thank you, Kevin, as well. Like, this is just, this is just a lot of fun. I'm yeah. really enjoying it. I really, I really am too. And uh, this is awesome. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode. You know, we hope that you enjoyed this stuff on, is it a good time to buy real estate? What is taking place around us right now and what's going on? And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, go back and check it out. And and also, uh, we've had a lot of you that have gone on and requested the uh, the Market Secrets kind of analysis packet and the market selection secrets. And so thank you for all of you that have gone and done that as well. We're so thrilled to be able to provide that kind of information and we're going to keep it coming, which is what brings us to today's topic. And so I got to tell you a little bit of background of where this topic came from. And it's kind of fun because when Steve and I do these podcasts and we were just talking about this, when we do these podcasts and recordings, We always have an idea of what we want to talk about, but we don't have like a major outline or a major agenda. We don't have like a teleprompter up telling us that, you know, with our monologues of like how to read, you know, whatever, we're not reading stuff to give to you. We just literally are like, you know, it would be so cool to talk about this. And then he and I sit here, we hit record and we just kind of riff a little bit. And, and which is, which is awesome because these, we've told you from the beginning, these are the kinds of conversations that we've been having together for, I don't know how many years. And so now we just get to do it with you guys. And so thank you for joining the conversation. And, uh, it all, I will say it is a little weird to me to think that there's people like running on a trail right now and our voices are in their ears. That seems awkward, but thank you. Well, trust me, I'd rather be on the trail running right now than sitting in this chair, (laughs) quite quite frankly. I'm I'm kind of, I've been missing doing that. Oh, that's awesome. I would, I I don't want to be running. I have no desire to do that. I don't know if I'm ever going to run. We've talked about it. Steve's run a bunch of marathons. I've run four of them. I don't know if I'm ever going to do another one. I don't miss running. I don't. Is that bad? Does that mean I'm not a runner? That makes you a very bad person, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) 
So here's the topic today. So some of you maybe know, we are Forbes.com contributors. So we get a chance to publish on Forbes, publish articles. They come and ask us questions from time to time, and we could give some responses along with a panel of additional experts. And there was a question that Forbes.com was looking for responses to that kind of struck me. And so sometimes what will happen is they'll, they'll kind of give us a question, and then I can see the responses of other people, and, I, and we could contribute our response. And this question that came across one day, it was like something to the effect of what's the most important number that a real estate investor ought to be considering when they're evaluating a property or considering buying a property. And so it was interesting. It caused me to just take a second and pause. And I went, okay, what is the most important number? And I thought through it for a second. I went, oh, okay, I totally know what that is. And so I type up my response. Well, I hadn't really talked to Steve about this. And so when I was kind of thinking about doing the podcast today, I last night at about 11 p.m., I text Steve and I said, hey, Steve, what do you think is the most important number that a real estate investor can consider? And I was like out, we're, we're dog sitting, a friend's dog. So I was like out walking the dog and I'm waiting for Steve's response. And with Kevin, by the breath. way, that, that's not the first question you asked me last night when you uh, well, sent the text. Well, yeah. First question was, are, are you, you awake? up? <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know, you know, maybe he went to bed early. So I, I first texted him, are you awake? Are you up? And then I said, hey, here's this real estate question. This is the kinds of things we do at 11 p.m. on a whatever last night was Wednesday night or something. So Kevin, um, it's awesome to not have a life. <laughs> we have zero things going on that we can have a text conversation at 11 p.m. about real estate numbers. Um, so I was like waiting. You know, I've seen Steve's, you know, the dots, you know, on the on the text message and they just kind of animate. And I'm like, any second now, he's going to give me that answer. And I had the thought I was like, if he answers what I think he's going to answer, which is my answer for what the most important number in real it is, I was like, this is our podcast topic because this was not set up. And sure enough, he comes back and says the exact thing that was exactly what my response was. And so we want to give you that response today. And then we thought, let's not just talk to what we think the most important number is, but let's talk about numbers. So if you've been to our website, we put a bunch of pro formas up there, right? And, and on the weekly scouting reports, uh, if you get those weekly scouting reports, sometimes they're not weekly, we do our best, but um, we, we put pro formas in there. And the pro forma for us, it's really just kind of a financial worksheet so that you can see the numbers on a property. You see a picture of the property, you know the purchase price, the down payment, and then the returns. And then there's multiple ways that numbers are calculated on there. So that our clients can look at it and just kind of compare property to property and decide which one they want to, you know, pull the trigger on. And so we thought, what? how cool would it be if we went through one of our performers and we talked about what are the numbers that are important in a real estate investment? But let's start with what we think the most important number is when you're evaluating any real estate investment. Now, before we get into that, Steve, what are some of the numbers that, that we know people consider when they're looking at investment properties. And a lot of times there's a few of them that I think that most people think are the numbers to look at when you're investing in real estate. But just like everything else we do with Replace Your Income and with our company, we're not typical from the standpoint of we don't we don't just take the the standard number that that all the other real estate podcasts say you should take. But what are some of those numbers? Yeah. So so I'll jump into those numbers, Kevin. And those are 
the numbers that I'm going to describe are numbers that, you know, lots of investors use the rules of thumb. They're, they're quick gauges they're they're quick reviews so that people can, so investors can kind of decide quickly whether it makes sense to, to continue forward looking at this property. Yeah, right. Right. And what I'm going to share with you, I mean, they're, they're good numbers, they're important, but just to share with you really quickly, the pro forma is for us, yeah. what some of these other numbers are for other investors. Like these, the, the pro forma that we use, it's a tool, right? So first and foremost, it's a tool for us to evaluate and gauge the worthiness of a property internally, because every property that we look at in the different markets where we're buying property goes through a vetting process. And part of the vetting process is the pro forma. It is our quick way of analyzing the property. And so, so it's a tool that we get to use. And then it's also a you know, a great visual for, yeah. for our clients, prospective clients, you can go to the website and take a look at, at these numbers and we'll, and we'll jump into some of those, but some of the numbers that, uh, um, investors will look at as they're evaluating numbers are like rent ratios, cap rates. And I mean, there's the rent ratio where, for example, in, when evaluating a rental property, you know, some people like to look at the rent should be one, basically 1% one per, yeah. of the purchase price right. and, and, and that kind of a thing. And so what we've done is we've kind of put a number, uh, several different numbers into the pro forma. And there are three critical numbers that we look at. Although there are on the pro forma itself, there are dozens and dozens and dozens yeah. of numbers because right. we're actually a pro forma is a projection of what we think will be the performance of a property. And as we look at and analyze um, a property, some of the things that we look at are you know, how, you know, the down payment, what are the closing costs going to be? What's the, you know, the percentage rate on the loan that we're going to get? You know, what's the property management fee? We always kept, we always keep in there a number for vacancy and repairs, annual appreciations, years one and two, and then three through five, because our pro forma uh, extrapolates out five years. Yeah. And then we also take a look at, you know, what we believe annual rent increases will be in that particular area, because every area is a little bit different. And then the other thing that we look at on our pro forma that I don't know if a lot of others actually include these, because we like to include everything in the pro forma, yeah. we, we include the closing costs on a future sale. Yep. Because the, the final performance of a property includes either selling it or refinancing it or something, but, but the conclusion of that property is when you sell it, reap the fruits of that uh, property, and then you roll them into another property via a 1031 exchange. And so the three numbers that all of these numbers that I just shared with you, well, and then there's other numbers as well. Let me just throw these out because, I mean, obviously you've got your purchase price, what your down payment is going to be. And by the way, we're a little bit different from other individuals that help people invest in, in, in real estate. A lot of the of what you'll hear online and in, in different podcasts and on YouTube videos is... Hey, you know, zero down. Yeah, right. You don't need credit and all these. Yeah. Like we're kind of the opposite. It's yes. It's twenty to twenty five percent. In fact, we we really advocate twenty five percent down. Have one, have some skin in the game. Number two, by going to twenty five percent, you're going to improve your interest rate by anywhere from half a point to a point. It's considerable. Yeah, yeah. You're. I mean, so you're. And and let me be clear, real quick, because I get this question a lot when I'm talking to people. The difference between 20 and 25% down, you're not buying down your rate, no. right? Like it's not, you're not just contributing more closing costs to be able to buy down a rate in that sense. It's just when lenders are evaluating risk and they're evaluating credit risk, that what they like is if you, there's more skin in the game, if, if the LTV or the loan to 
relative value was a 75% instead of an 80% on their pricing matrix, you become less risky. Since you're less risky, they can give you a lower interest rate. So I always like to make that distinction because sometimes people hear, you know, well, I can get a lower interest rate if I if I go from 20% down to 25% down. It's not a rate buy down. It's, it's taking advantage of pricing breaks that the lenders make available. It's, just, it's the same thing. You know, you'll, you'll probably get a better interest rate if you have a, a 720 credit score over a 680, right? There's pricing breaks for credit worthiness. And that's what the, the 20 to 25% does. Yep, exactly. Um, the other thing that we include on the pro forma is, you know, our fee. We're super transparent in this is how we and make our money, right? Steve, We're I don't not think hiding it in the, per- the price of the purchase. I don't think of, we've of talked about that really. So uh, let's actually talk yeah, about go, that. Go for it. So, so this is really cool. And this is something that we put on the pro forma is how we make money as a company. And, and not that we are anticipating that everybody listening is going to work with us tomorrow, but we think it's super important that people know that because like everything we do, we want to be very transparent, very upfront. So, you know, we do all this work for our clients, right? We go find them the properties. We, we've got our teams in the field that, that deliver the properties. We get the properties fixed up. We, you know, we get them insured and financed and, and leased up and, and managed. Well, yeah, we do yeah, a yada. ton of education before they yeah. even start that process. We take them through a pre-qualification process. That's right. So there's a lot of like pre-work that goes into, you know, helping somebody get ready to buy real estate before. And many times people aren't in that position. And whether or not, we actually help them and give them a plan to work towards doing it. Yeah, we actually have a four-phase purchase process. And when you actually close on the property, that's on the border between phase two and phase three. It's like halfway through everything we do with our clients. And so there's tons of stuff that we do with our clients. And our job is to make real estate investing as simple as possible, as easy as possible. But we also want our clients to be able to make 100% of the profit and make 100% of the appreciation, and make 100% of the gain. And we want them to own the property 100%, which again is different from other guys out there. We know you know, there's a number of guys out there that'll let you put up all the risk and all the money and take the credit risk, and then they split the deal with you. No, you own it 100%. So for that, we charge a flat per property fee, regardless of purchase price of $4,195. So just under five grand, we call it a team's fee. And what's awesome is we don't collect a nickel from our clients until they're closing on a property. And then this uh, team's fee, this $4,995, it's part of your total out-of-pocket expenses reflected on the pro forma and uh, and it's it's paid as a separate buyer paid commission it's on the closing documents it's totally disclosed and right there and we're super upfront about it the very first conversation that we have with people as they're investigating our company we say, hey, would you like to know how we make money? We are capitalists. We're in this to make money, but we're in this to make money by providing an unbelievable world-class service that you would not be able to get and, and figure out on, on your own or to do to this level with this kind of experience. And so that's part of these numbers on the top. And so all of these on these pro formas, and we, I, we, by the way, stay tuned because we're going to give you what we think is the most important number. But, you know, all these other real estate investors, they talk about, okay, is the rent going to be 1% of the purchase price? What's the cap rate going to be, right? In year one, based on what I'm cash flowing versus what my purchase price is, what is my, and so there's all these ways to look at numbers. And what's interesting is a lot of them, numbers are kind of funny things, right? We love to think that numbers are, you know, somehow just universal truth. But the way that people 
can can shift numbers and and how they can interact with those numbers it can mean that numbers may look better than they really are on a pro forma i don't know if i i don't think i've told the story one time though i was looking at a at a website where there's a lot of properties that are available for sale right and uh, i was taking a look at the website cuz i was actually preparing a presentation i was giving in hawaii and i knew that some folks in the audience had used this particular company or considered this company and this is actually a company if i said the name you'd be familiar with it it's one of the these VC-backed kind of real estate investment companies where it's like, you know, the Netflix or real estate. You go on and there's a billion homes you could choose from, but they don't really do the kind of handholding we do, but they've got a lot available. So I'm looking at the numbers, right? I'm looking at homes in a market similar to where we invest. And I'm looking at the home that they've got on their website. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, wait a second. These are the homes. This is bread and butter stuff for us. These are the types of homes that we do all day, every day. Why are their numbers so weird? And here's what I found is their numbers. So this just goes to show you, there's a billion ways to look at numbers, right? You have to dig into and understand the math behind the numbers in order for the numbers to be worthy of being evaluated evaluated, right? So I look at the purchase price, I look at the cash on cash return, and I look at the annualized return, and I'm going, okay, well, on this particular property, the based on the purchase price, the, 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 oh, it wasn't cash on cash return, it was cash flow. So it was purchase price, cash flow, and then annualized return. And I'm like, based on what it's telling me that cash flow is, and based on what the annualized return is supposed to be, there's something off. I start digging in, and here's what they did. They gave you a purchase price. Then they said, this home is likely to be financed. But then they gave you a cash flow number as if you were buying it cash. Then they gave you the annualized number as if it was a leveraged purchase. So in other words, and we're gonna talk about that today, there's a difference in numbers when you're looking at a finance pro forma or a finance set of numbers versus a cash set of numbers. So what they were doing is they were picking and choosing the very best numbers, even though it was through two separate buying processes and trying to ball it all into one and saying, hey, no, really, look at your cash flow and look at your return. But those numbers were in competition with one another because they weren't being fully transparent. And so on our pro formas, we take the opposite approach as conservative as we can go, and we wanna see all the numbers, and we wanna actually build in stuff to the calculations and numbers that make the numbers less attractive, because if we, meaning we're taking out eight or 10% of vacancy and, and repairs, and, and we're putting in closing costs when on the future sales. So we're trying to suck out as much as we can from the numbers, because that's giving us kind of painting a worst case scenario picture. If this property, even in a worst case scenario, or maybe not worst case, but in a, a very conservative scenario still makes sense and looks good for my financial life well then I've got more upside right it's kind of the it's kind of the under promise over deliver as opposed to the opposite approach which is what the vast majority of real estate companies and gurus out there take awesome Kev. well in fact just to kind of illustrate a little bit differently that numbers aren't always what they appear to be I remember walking in and talking to my accountant and and it is weird like in looking at my taxes like these numbers they're kind of weird it's like how are you figuring this out? And he's like, he's like, Steve, I mean, in accounting and numbers, like it's not necessarily like total science. You would think that two right. plus two <laughs> equals four. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, Richard, you're, you're telling me that two plus two is not always equal to four. And he's like, no, it's like, you can ask me the question. It's like, ask me what two plus two is. And I said, okay, what's two plus two? And he kind of looked at me and and uh, kind of turned the light down a little bit low, closed the shade <laughs> on his windows. It was like, Steve. What do you want it to be? <laughs> <laughs> that's and, and, that, awesome. and that's the reality, right? Is is numbers sometimes aren't 
I mean, you described it very, very eloquently. To quote so. Atlas Shrugged, uh, when it comes to numbers, especially on performance, A is not always A, right? It, 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 <laughs> can, right. it, can, it can vary. And I, it, just real quick, another little anecdotal side note thing. I read this book. So I went to a school called Brigham Young University, which is a, a kind of a religious private university. And so you don't hear many of the swears at BYU. And I was in this political science class and we read a book. And I remember there was like a there was like a vocal gasp across the class. It was Political Science 200. And he had us read a book called Damned Lies and Statistics. And I remember all the people going, <laughs> what did he say? It's a book we have to read. But what was so cool about that book? It was this short little book. And it's it started out with a statistic and it said it was like a gun violence statistic. And it said, here's the statistic. Most people would just take that as, here's the statistic. Then it goes in and it looks and it says, actually, the the statistic can be looked at five different ways and give you five different numbers, but it's using the same exact data. And the number that's selected is the one that has uh, th- that is is fulfilling whatever the agenda is of the one using the number. And I would just say that as a caution to everybody listening. When you go and you look at real estate, when you're looking at numbers, always consider, is there an agenda behind the number that's being presented to me? Whether you're working with a company or you're a maverick and you're going it alone, you or if need you're just to looking look at, at if you're just looking at information on, on the internet. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, in a particular area, trying to decide, hey, is this a good area to buy? You got to take a look at it. You, you have to, you have to look at all that stuff. And so, uh, just and so for us, our pro forma, our numbers, the numbers we're talking about here, these are numbers that, yes, they're for us, but they're for us to paint what we think is the most comprehensive picture of the performance of a real estate investment so that when we're looking at a property, we have a mathematical, data-driven approach to saying, is this property worth it? Because then we can reject or accept properties based on this method. And so there is some kind of, I, I mean, it's proprietary from the standpoint of this is what we do all day, every day, and it's something that's been developed over more than a decade. And so let's let's kind of dive into the numbers so that you guys know what are the numbers we're looking at, what are some of these things that that are important, and uh, and Steve, before we do that, let's tell them what we think the most important number is on the pro forma, and as we're looking at a real estate investment, then what we'll do is from that number, we'll back out of it and tell you what is on our performance and how do we arrive at that number. Yeah, so so let's jump into what what is the most important number that we look at. And in, in order to arrive at the most important number, there are two other numbers that lead up to it. So the so there's three numbers that we actually we highlight in bright yellow on our pro forma because these are the three most important numbers. So the third, so we'll let's do a countdown, Kevin. Yeah, countdown. So the, the top three number numbers. Three of the most important numbers in real estate investing comes it coming in at number three is cash flow. Just kidding. <laughs> cash on cash return is the it's it's the percentage based on a number which is based on cash flow. So you take your total out of pocket cost and divide that by the net income generated by that 
Notice he said property. net income generated by that property, not gross income, because there are people that will use gross because the numbers look better. But we want to suck out every, all of the potential expenses, say, what's our net income? And then when we look at that, right, you could take that net income on a monthly basis, multiply it by 12. So you figure what is it for the year? And then you divide that against your total out of pocket, which is your down payment, your team's fee that we charge in order, you know, the $4,995 that on our pro forma, right? This may not be on everybody's, but the 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 down payment, the team's fee, the closing costs, and even potential rehab expenses because we want to know what your effective real total out-of-pocket is in order to uh, buy property A, B, or C. Yep, exactly. So that's the very first number that we look at. Cash, and, and we look cash at on cash return. The cash on cash return. We look at the percentage, but then we look at the actual amount of cash flow in dollars that's coming back because we have kind of a target. We always shoot for about 350 that's kind of what 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 we're shooting for. And if it's a little bit lower, then we'll look at some of the other numbers to to decide whether or not, you know, they make up for the little bit lower than than the 350 number. But and 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 if it goes below 350, there's got to be some pretty good reasons why yeah. you know, we, we think it's still a, a great number to look at. Wait a second, Steve, only $350? That seems like a terrible cash flow. Why would anybody buy a deal like that? <laughs> But really, let's talk about it because um, this cash on cash return, this number, what is the – so we're, we're – just so you guys so, know, so we're I'm actually look, looking at yeah, a pro so forma right now. looking at a pro forma. The monthly net cash flow – And tell them, tell them where the property is. Okay, so this is in Florida. It's in a city called Davenport. Purchase price is about 220 – well, is 224 Down payment is 25%, so 56000 We've got the estimated closing costs. We've got the team's fee in there. So a total out-of-pocket – of $65,475. So there's your total out of pocket. That's that number that we use at the top to do all the other calculations with. Yeah, your net operating income is 13,574 based on a rent of 1595. And at the end of the day, that generates, you know, $329 per month and that's a 6.03% cash on cash return. And just think about that cuz this is I mean, we I know we've kind of talked about this, but I love this, right? If if I'm gonna go invest sixty, what was the total out of pocket? Uh, sixty five four seventy. Okay, so if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna go invest sixty five grand in whatever mutual fund index fund or whatever, I'm like I'm not getting three hundred and twenty dollars a month in cold hard spendable cash coming get back to 329 me. Three hundred twenty nine. Oh, sorry. Oh boy, you, you, what a you dollars a what month. What a bonehead dude. mistake That's I made. Two little Caesar's pizzas. <laughs> Yes, or it's like one of the biggest, most bestest yeah. pizzas with tax. And that yeah, is how I actually measure things in terms <laughs> Just, of in terms oh, of yeah. pizza. Yeah. yeah, so that's one thing that we don't include on the performance, but that's like the the insider information is we measure our returns in potential pizza purchases. Yes. And that's in that, particular Little Caesars. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to see if I could get them to be a sponsor for the for the podcast awesome oh my gosh i love it (laughs) measure here you go guys the tip of the day measure your real estate returns in pizzas potential (laughs) we should put that number on there potential pizza purchasing power that's what we should oh i love it i love it (laughs) (laughs) so this cash on cash return and this cash flow i mean you're getting 329 dollars of cold hard spendable cash every single month from a property just think about that that is 
awesome. So we got this cash on cash return that's 6%, which that 6%, what does everybody say? Well, if you invest in the stock market over the long run, it should get you somewhere between 6 and 7%. So we're getting it monthly, cold, hard, spendable cash in real estate just with this. And, that, and that's seeming, the base number, right? That's a base number <laughs> with this tiny little $329 cash flow. It's not tiny. It's awesome. It's a real estate single. So coming in at number two. Coming in at number two, the second most important number on the pro forma is average annual combined cash on cash. And what combined means. And I don't know anybody else that talks about this, Steve. So I love this. Like this average combined cash on cash. You guys perk up your ears because this is something that, that we look at and it's a real extremely important number. But I don't know many people that consider it this way. There's three things that we add back into that number that in all reality contribute to cash flow because this is cash literally like it's literally well not literally but kind of literally going into your bank account yeah um in terms of this number one we add back in the amortized uh closing costs number two we add back in depreciation and then number three the principal pay down that's right those three things literally you have to consider those because those are all real-time real those are real numbers those are true tangible benefit that you get uh, on a monthly basis right. that gets calculated into, you know, the the overall return on your investment. So our pro forma, you got the cash on cash return, which is kind of measured and where you kind of know what your net, net, net cash flow is going to yep. be right on a monthly basis. Then you're combined. And then you got your combined um, cash on cash, which is taking into account the depreciation, the principal pay down, the cash flow, all of these things. And then anything and, else and you want to mention about the combined cash on cash? No, just if you can do a drum roll for the yeah, number one. Yeah, drum roll. Brrr, and coming in at number one on the most important number to consider when looking at, this is like my, I don't know if this is like how Casey Kasem sounded, but I'm assuming that it's something like this, maybe higher, but coming in at number one on the countdown for the most important real estate number you need to consider is annual average return. Wait, did you say annual average return? Yes. So you take those two prior numbers. That's why they're, they're numbers three and two. And, and you combine those with appreciation. That's right. Over And we, we do it over a five-year period of time. This is projected appreciation. We don't know what the market's going to do, but we have all of that data that we compile and we subscribe to that really high-level data set. And so we have ways to really project out. And then we can still be conservative with our appreciation projections. But what Steve is saying is we take that appreciation, we take that cash on cash, that combined cash on cash, and we're rolling it into a number that is this Average annualized return on a property. Yep. And so just to give you the numbers on this, so cash on cash came in at 6%. The combined cash on cash came in just over 13%. And the average annual return came in just over 21%. There you go. And, 21%. Oh my gosh. Like and, just and think about you, that. Over, over the last decade, like these numbers have actually been on the on the conservative yeah, side. Yeah, they really so have. It's, so it, it's pretty phenomenal. Unbelievable. Like, when was the last time, like, if somebody said, hey, got a great investment opportunity, it ought to get you 20%. You'd look at them and be like, cool, so what's the name of your Ponzi scheme, right? That's, <laughs> the, that's the way most people would consider that. Yeah. But this is simple, conservative, basic real estate, single type real estate that is doing this for our clients. And listen, we've got a bountiful uh, track record to say that 
This is not unrealistic. When you actually look at conservative appreciation, when you look at conservative cash flow, because remember the cash on cash and the cash flow, it's being generated on our performance after we're sucking out as many expenses as we can consider that, that would be realistic for owning the property. And then, so when you're taking all of these numbers into account on this simple and conservative purchase that had a purchase price, what was the purchase price on it? Uh, two, two twenty four, two twenty four, and then you know you've got your total out of th- this, this is a home built in two thousand eleven. It's uh, just under fifteen hundred square feet, three beds, two baths, amazing neighborhood. And by the way, that twenty one percent annualized return that was not your down payment and then all of your potential gain. That was total out of pocket expenses as the number that we're divided. Yeah, against. and a lot of people don't like we're including in that total out of pocket your closing costs our team's fee, any other any other costs associated with getting into that property. So it's based on more than just your down payment. Now, if we just, and this is what you know, a lot of investors will do, is they'll only include their actual down payment. They don't consider the other costs to get into the home. Right. And in fact, in many cases, even on, on brand new homes, we always have a little bit of rehab because there's right. some things that we do to even the new construction homes that that adds an a little bit of out of pocket cost like there's some secret sauce that we add to the property so that given the choice between our property and another brand yeah, new home like right. people are going to choose our home because right. it has certain features in it that's right and that just that just comes from de- de- devising a system over time that we know gets homes rented really quickly so there is some some rehab and and really even on new construction you know i when i bought my first home uh, i was like wait that doesn't come with window coverings like there's little things that yeah. are additional expenses when you get into a home that some people don't so consider. when you texted me last night and you asked me what this like the you said V T yeah, capital, capital T, T capital H, H, the capital most H. important. I hesitated for a minute to kind of just think through my mind and it took me about 30 seconds to, to decide what was the, the number. And I texted back average annual return. That's right. And then you, you texted back with, you know, yeah, I was like, exactly. That's because here's the deal. At the end of the day, your real estate, at least the way we do real estate, right? When we're hitting real estate singles, when the, when we're replacing your income, the idea is property number one becomes the fuel for properties number two and three. And so when you're evaluating that property, yes, you're going to be collecting cash flow. But if we had if we had our druthers, isn't that a thing people say? I don't druthers. know what a druther is, but um, it what you would Can be- Can you give me the definition of druther? <laughs> Let me look it up. <laughs> so what we would be doing is, and, and by the way, this is what we- prefer what we love to see clients do is they take 100% of that cash flow and it's there it's spendable if you need it but if you could just throw it down on the principal and you could pay down that home that would be best because we are in this for the long term for the in the long run right we're we're hitting real estate singles so we can replace our income one property at a time over time and so with this property if i say okay my purchase price on this property was what was it 226,000 or whatever my total out of pocket expenses is going to be what was it 60 65. 65,000. That's total out of pocket in order to get this property, but it's going to generate a 6% cash on cash. It's going to give me an, and a, uh, it's going to give me a cash on cash, um, a, a combined cash on cash of what was it? 13. 13%. And then it's going to give me a total annualized return. If after five years I were to sell this property, 
after I pay out all the closing costs on the sale of the property, if I take a look at all of my returns and all the income that this property has generated, and I take that that large number and I divide that against what my total out-of-pocket was, I'm seeing a 21% annualized return on this property. But what's cool, and this is another number that we put on the pro forma, talk about the number of total capital available to reinvest. Do you have that on there? Um, yeah. So at the end of five years, the total capital that you have to reinvest is at the end of five years is 127425 Let's talk about that number. Where does that number come from? Because what was the total appreciation on that property? Um, so that's assuming a, a 6% you okay. know, increase. So here we go. You got a 6% appreciation, but that's not going to make up 120000 So where's that 120000 coming from? We're saying, hey, when you close on this property, after you pay your closing costs, you're getting effectively a big chunk of your down payment back plus the appreciation and proceeds that have come from that property. And now that 120, by the way, that may be enough to go and buy Two more properties, utilize a 1031 exchange. We'll do a whole podcast on 1031 exchanges. Maybe we can get Mark to come in and kind of talk through some of that stuff. But you take those proceeds, you reinvest in two properties, and then the pro formas look the same. What's your total out of pocket? What's your cash flow? What's your projected appreciation? What's your combined cash on cash return? What's your annualized return? And then it's, if one property can help me go buy two in five years, in seven years, whatever, if those two could potentially buy me an additional three or four once I sell those, you organically grow the portfolio portfolio bit by bit, property by property, one property at a time until you get to the point where you own enough real estate that once you get that real estate paid off free and clear, your income is replaced. There's the income replacement model. It takes time. It's a bunch of real estate singles, but it's using these real numbers that we're really looking at in, in, in through a lens of, of actual math that matters, not just math that looks good on a website so somebody decides to pull a trigger, but we don't care about what they're going to do. And the so, only reason we soap on this is because, listen, we know not everybody listening is going to work with us. We know some of you will. We want you to know the way we look at it. But if you're working with someone, if you're doing real estate on your own, we think this is, and nobody in the Forbes.com forum had said this number, see this annualized return, which means one of two things. Either they're all looking at real estate their way and it's good for them, or uh, or it means we're crazy. Well, we know we're not crazy because we see people really replace their income in real life. And so here's the deal. that We want you to know this and have these numbers and have this this uh, perception of how you can view numbers and, and your total out-of-pocket expenses and your cash on cash, as well as your cash flow and your combined cash on cash and your annual and your annualized return so that you have an arsenal of tools available to you when you're evaluating a real estate deal that can actually put you in a better position in the long run where you're mitigating and minimizing that risk but maximizing your potential to truly let this real estate become something phenomenal for you. Very well said. And I'd I'd add to that. It's important for everybody to understand because our whole mantra is replace your income one property at a time. Well, you're not going to replace your income obviously on property one Correct. in month one. Yes. It, it's a process over over a period of five, 10, 15, and even 20 years, right? As you go through this five-year cycle, you know, you know, five, and I'll call it five to seven years, just depending on what the market actually does. At the end of the day, the market determines, you know, how, how your property is going to perform. But what we've seen over time is that it's a, it's a five to seven-year cycle. And over the course of 20 years, you could cycle through, you know, as many as, as four times, call it three times. And if you start with one home, and then you take that one home, as you just described, you turn it into two and then it turns into four and then it turns into eight on your fourth cycle. And many of those, and the opportunity there is 
I mean, you're putting 25% down each time. So right. you could at that point, instead of having eight properties that you've leveraged, you might leverage four of those properties and pay f- cash for, for four yep, of them. That's right. And so it's over that 20 year period of time that you're replacing your income one that's property right. at a time. And it's a combination of the cash flow and the appreciation combined together. And that's why this number is so critical is because it, it uh, encapsulates both of those numbers and I'll even call them processes such that at the end of 15 or 20 years, then your your income has become replaced, utilizing the benefits of both cash flow and appreciation. And then of course, the the other tax benefits that come, that come along with owning real estate. So that's critical. The other thing to look at real quick, Kevin, is that we also, uh, you know, have set up our, our uh, performance in such a way that we can take a look at, you know, when you start paying cash for properties, right? What is your average annual return? That's right. Well, if you pay cash for for this property, same one that we've been talking about. I mean, your your annualized return isn't going to be twenty one percent anymore because right. you're not leveraging seventy five percent of the property. You've paid a hundred percent cash for it, and so your average annual return shows up at just under. 10%. Okay, so there you go. So same property with a cash purchase, it, it basically cuts your average annualized return in half just because you're not leveraging, which is why we talk about the, the benefit of leverage, of leverage and the yeah. power of Be- it, right? At, at the beginning of the process. But once your income is is has been replaced, and and and, and, and no, I'll, I'll just hedge that as well. Real estate, it's not anticipated that's going to replace all of your incomes because you, because we don't tell you to have all of your eggs in, in right, one basket, exactly, right? Yeah. So this is going to be replacing a portion. And who knows? It might replace all of it. Yeah. And, and then your other investments might be all your play money, whatever. But at the end of the day, if you continue on, let's say that you're done, you re, you've replaced your income in 20 years. And at this point, let's, let's say that you're 50 or 60 years old, even 70, year, 70 years old. I mean, you're, you're still going to have several decades left of continuing to do this. That's right. And you're still going to want to turn your properties every five to seven years in order to continue to maximize your return and which will just increase and build your portfolio even more. That's exactly right. So you guys, I I hope this was beneficial. This talking about real real estate numbers and talking about what we think is the most important number on your as you're evaluating your real estate, this idea of this annualized return on your real estate being such a critical number. But we hope you've enjoyed the discussion about how we look at our performance and what are some of the other numbers that matter and that that we really should be looking at and considering. Now, if you wanna see a bunch of examples, all you have to go, all you have to do is go to dfy-realestate.com. On dfy-realestate.com, up at the top, you'll see kind of a little menu bar, okay? And there's always gonna be a section there because, you know, somebody may be listening to this, you know, five years from now. I guarantee there's still gonna be a section on our website that says see properties, right? And so you can go and take a look at properties. Go click on the performance. We actually list our performance online for properties. Now, just so everybody knows, the pro forma is online. We are not a meat market. We do not list properties online and have people just like create a bidding war. We're not the eBay of real estate. These are properties that are recently transacted, recently closed, but we refresh them frequently so you can see in real time what are properties that people are buying and closing in each of the markets. And so you could go on there, click on the pro forma, look at the numbers, look at how the numbers are you know, kind of shaping up based on this conversation today. Anything you want to add, Steve, before we conclude the episode? Nothing other than um, if my voice sounds like it's a little bit muffled, it's because I am wearing a mask. And I'll point out that that Kevin isn't, and that's totally fine. It's not that we have different philosophies. It's just that 
I started wearing a mask, you know, out in public, that kind of thing. And I just like my looks a lot better with the mask on. <laughs> there you go. As it hides, you know, three fourths of my, yeah, my, my face. Yeah, I will so say, anyways, you, you, know, you are I, a lot more handsome with it on. Yeah, that's. For your benefit, I wore the mask today <laughs> so that, you know. Thank you. I th- thank you. It made it so much easier to look at you during this conversation. So, so hopefully my voice wasn't too muffled here today. <laughs> you guys, we love you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for joining us on Replace Your Income with Kevin and Steve. And we will see you next week. Care. Thanks so much for listening to Replace Your Income with Steve and Kevin. If you're not subscribed already, be sure to head over to your favorite podcasting platform and do that now. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. This lets the platform know that we're doing something right and that people like the content. It'd be a huge help and we would be super grateful. Also, be sure to head over to dfy-realestate.com and request your free income replacement estimate. We'll jump on a quick call and put a free and personalized income replacement estimate report together for you. Your report will show you a step-by-step plan of how you can begin replacing your income one property at a time, starting right away with the resources you already have. It only takes a few minutes, but could change the trajectory of your entire financial future. So until next time, just remember, income replacement for you and your family may only be one property away. See you next week.